Doctor says I'm sick and I won't last long, but at least I'll survive till the end of the song. It's him. Oh. Welcome to welcome to the health hour. It's uh, Doctor Jonathan Witt between one and two every Wednesday afternoon. Uh, obviously, uh, one of the big stories in the world at the moment, Ebola. So, uh, unfortunately, one of our uh, content producers there succumbing. Uh, we've uh, sealed off the studio, made sure that uh, we're all safe. Uh, but, uh, unfortunately, people around us just bleeding from everywhere. And uh, on that note, uh, let's uh, take the health news with uh, with Catherine. Catherine Child from The Times, how are you? Good, yourself? Yeah, um, I I'm, I'm currently don't have Ebola, so I'm fine. Catherine, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Sorry, it's just here. Yeah, I was just saying I don't have Ebola, so I'm I'm just fine. Well, you could have Ebola. I think there were two doctors that have died and two that have it now. So. Yeah, it was only. Did you see? It was only important to the news when two American doctors died. Before then, there were just a whole bunch of dead Africans. Not a big worry. Yeah, and, and the other article I saw was one American died when they found out the guy that flew to Nigeria also had American citizenship. Yeah. He was a Nigerian. Then it suddenly was on CNN because he's an American with family back in the States and he's also a Nigerian. And suddenly they were worried. Yeah. So that's uh, that's that's how it goes, I guess. That's that's the bias of the media. You you can tell us more about that. But let's skip over that stuff. Um, what what what's in the news this week? Well, there's a boiler in the news, so we could start with that. I mean, you were tweeting that you wouldn't want to tweet it. Yeah, I actually wouldn't want to tweet it, uh, treat it, or, or tweet it, but uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to treat it at all. Uh, I think uh, I, I might not have the choice, but uh, given the choice, I, I certainly would want to avoid it at all costs. I yeah, think the are. risk is just too high. So, if it comes to South Africa, I mean, are you guys concerned or not? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. Well, I'm okay because I don't really deal with infectious disease, so I'm just going to run the other direction. Uh, but I suppose, uh, given us in the emergency d- field. We uh, we probably have some risk because uh, oh. we're going to be on the front lines. Well, I'll just stay in journalism, but it sounds like you'll be fine. They don't really think it'll get you. No, I doubt it. I doubt it. And uh, um, all right, so obviously lots of people dying of that. Yeah, well, um, there's a new medicine report that came out. It was released to the media yesterday. Okay. And it's a company called MedScore, and they analyzed 50 medical aid members pharmaceuticals. All right. So it's pretty good data. They're looking at a million people's scripts from last year and yep. analyzing that and getting a good picture of what medical aid members, the wealthy, are sick from. And it turns out we're pretty stressed out. A lot of people get heart in medicine, which is usually linked to being overweight and eating badly. And a lot of people are on antidepressants. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people have general anxiety disorder, you know. It causes you to pick up guns, shoot through doors, stuff like that. So. Yeah, we're all like Oscar, but at least we're on medicine. 12% of medical aid members from this sample, and a million is a pretty good sample size, are on antidepressants. And it could be more, because not everybody came from medical aid. They might just take half from school. Yeah, so I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people on, uh, on, uh, on the antidepressant type of stuff uh, and then also there were a whole bunch of other sort of some of the other drugs, the hypertensives, which we would expect uh, for blood pressure, and then uh, some of the some of the heartburn stuff as well. Yeah, hypertension is costing medical most just because so many people are on it and they're on it every month. And the question is, if if we're spending so much money on these drugs, let's hope that people are taking them and keeping their blood pressure under control. Because yeah. apparently.
And we've lost that terrible line, unfortunately. All right, we'll we'll try to get Catherine uh, back a bit later. I think what we'll do for the time being is we'll carry on with the show. Uh, and this week, uh, I've uh, managed to get a pediatrician into the studio, uh, which is no small feat, let me tell you. Firstly, because uh, they are amongst the busiest doctors uh, you will find. Um, she's pulling a face, but they really, really are. I, it's uh, Sometimes it's tedious stuff, like being vomited on, but, but they are very busy. Um, so our guest uh, today is uh, uh, Dr. Tuli Kumalo, who is a pediatrician who is also currently almost finished in super specializing in nephrology, which is essentially uh, a speciality looking completely at the kidney. Uh, Tuli, welcome. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm not sure if your mic's on. Give me one sec. Is it on? All right. Um, And uh, Tuli, thanks for coming in. Sure, no problem. How are you? Yeah, you know, um, probably better than the last time you saw me. Because you're out of peds. Yeah, I was, I was well suffering in peds, um, which uh, we, we all know is not exactly my favorite place to be. Uh, but a good thing for people like you, uh, who love those little things. Um, <laughs> Much better than adults, for sure. Okay, so you see I have that completely opposite view, but that's <laughs> fine. Uh, right, so I mean, look, obviously peds are a massive, massive subject. Mm. Uh, and essentially, uh, the whole of medicine and even some surgical stuff really on little things. Um, little people and 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 the, that whole thing <laughs> about exactly little people but but children are not little adults that that whole thing we often hear people say um well yes of course because the whole disease range is different the infections yeah. they get yeah. are not quite the same that the, as the infections adults get and of course we don't really have much diabetes and hypertension okay and how they respond to do. our treatment as well is also probably a bit different sometimes i think kids are amazing they seem to recover much faster than adults do yeah and um yeah, um, and they do well, I think. Kids, they can have a kid who looks absolutely terrible today, and tomorrow he'll look great. You might want to send him home even. <laughs> All right, so so okay, so that's uh, so so sometimes people think of pediatrics as a bit sad, but I think uh, actually if you work in it, it's often quite a nice uh, nice field to be in. Um, of course it is sad. Um. Because you don't want to be breaking any parent's heart and telling them. Yeah. And once you become a parent, it gets even sadder. Um, but um, the rewards are there. The patients do get better. Yeah. And you do often get a bit of comfort, even if your patient doesn't do well. Having spoken to the mom and getting a sense that the mom or the dad or whoever it is you speak to, the caregiver, feels like a bit better having spoken to you. All right. So, I mean, obviously some of our listeners will... All of our listeners, uh, assumptively, are not pediatricians, almost all of them. Uh, so let's give them a bit of an idea. Uh, first, let's talk general peds. I know your speciality is the kidney, okay. which is a wonderful speciality. But uh, <laughs> in terms of general peds, uh, what are what are our biggest problems in South Africa? Ooh. Huh. Well, <laughs> look, malnutrition is always going to be a big one. Yeah. Um, I'm talking more in the public sector, obviously. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, malnutrition is up there. Obviously, with malnutrition comes the TB that is then made worse by malnutrition. Um, HIV is also still big. Yeah. Um, what else? And then the general, all the infective diseases. Man, yeah. kids, all the snotty noses, as you know. Yeah, which then progress <laughs> sometimes, very seldom actually, but sometimes into bigger sort into of issues. Into bigger pneumonias and, yeah. Yeah, and make, make them a bit sicker. Okay, so um, we, we're going to, we got some questions for you. Okay. Um, sort of brief Pre-planned. Uh, we do try to be a bit unscripted on the show, but uh, someone uh, just sent me a tweet to to sort of find out 
they wanted to know they they say they keep hearing different stories about uh, how long do i breastfeed my child for when do i start feeding it solids what kind of solids all these types of weird and wonderful questions weird and wonderful questions even for a pediatrician um (laughs) it's yeah it's not that it's all still out there obviously as far as breastfeeding well obviously breastfeeding is best and um, even if you're breastfeeding or formula feeding, you should probably only feed that for f- the first four months. Yeah. Um, about introducing solids, you should probably look at the kid and see what the baby's like. If your baby's able to sit almost unsupported, um, is able to push the food to the back of the throat, obviously. Yeah. Um, and isn't continually jutting out their tongue. Yeah. And also, once your kid stops drooling, then you sort of know that um, they're almost ready for solids. Because they can swallow Then you properly. can try. Yeah. Yes. But okay. then, yeah, bats, bats. But then allergies. Because so, then there's <laughs> also the immunology side of it with the allergies. Yeah. And that's a whole. It's still, it's still out there. Um, some people say things like eggs should be introduced later. Mm. Um, milk, um, mm. like cow's milk. Yeah. Um, but people are sort of changing, and people are starting to think that you can introduce these so-called allergens because they create allergy. You can start introducing them a bit earlier. Okay. So it's a bit. But it's still out there. Yeah. It's still being studied. No All final right. answer. Okay. No, no hard data. No hard data. Yeah. I think the last thing the American um, American Association of Pediatrics said that it was still out there. That was their last thing. Yeah. All right. But so, they don't recommend. So essentially, breastfeed till four months. At, at the very least. Okay. At so, the ver- before you start introducing solids. So we're very much on a breast is best policy. I'm a pediatrician. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, good. Fair point. So, so just, just on that, um, bearing in mind that yes, you're a pediatrician, but you've crossed over into the northern suburbs where we're currently sitting. Um, and, uh, a lot of these, uh, these, these, uh, mothers feel that they can't breastfeed for a number of wonderful reasons. Some are very valid and some are more psychological very <laughs> often. Um, you know, obviously we're saying four, four months. Do you just want to give us an idea of why it's so important to breastfeed kids? Oh, wow. If you can. Um, well, you know, even, um, well, breast milk, as you know, is like much health, um, is almost, I don't want to say better for kids, but it's got, um, antibodies, Mm -hmm. um, that obviously formula won't have. Yes. Um, nutrient wise, um, the kids tend to tolerate it better. You end up with less problems like colic. Yeah. Um, and in, and generally it also decreases allergy. They've shown that kids who are exclusively breastfed compared to kids yeah. who are fed formula have less atopy. Well, it, it seems like for, there's forever a study uh, on, on breastfeeding and, and children with higher IQs and children who do better in sports yes, and all this so. kind of stuff. Um, but essentially, I mean, it, it, it's basically just that it contains stuff. You can't put stuff in formula that comes in breast milk. There's some stuff that you actually just can't put in. And um, I often find that with formula, the moms come back and complain a lot about the little problems like constipation. Yeah. A lot of kids on formula get that, and they cry, and it becomes quite difficult for the moms. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't know. At breast is just easier, I thought. And I had a, I've had two kids. Okay, um, good. So you speak from experience. <laughs> yeah. Then. And my daughter was mixed fed, and that was a huge disaster. So I was like breast and formula. Yeah. And she had colic, and she cried all night. And I must admit, by my son, maybe I was a bit better at it. Mm. I breastfed him exclusively for a year. Well, without formula, and he turned, he was easy. Well, that's the other extreme I he want to ask easy. you about, because cause when should you stop breastfeeding? Yeah. Um, when it <laughs> starts to get a little bit freaky. 
You know, if the child can ask for your boob, you know, actually verbally, is that, you know, is that normal? Um, um, it's, it's a choice. It's, it's a choice. It's eh? a choice. Because I actually uh, once witnessed, I was quite horrified. I was still in medical school. I once went to a friend's house and, and uh, there was a, a woman there who had uh, had a baby factory going. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. She was on to her eighth. Um, and uh, one of her children... Um, who was uh, eight years old at the time, um, uh, came in and kind of did the, I want your breast, uh, and out it came and she breastfed her eight-year-old, which I found very, very disturbing. Um, so you, I would also be a bit disturbed if I saw an eight-year-old being breastfed, I must admit. <laughs> I was disturbed by the Time magazine um, article a couple of years ago. I think that kid was three years old. He was standing on a box and breastfeeding at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, pushing it past it, it's, 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 two years, I think yeah, it it's probably tricky. yeah, and, and and they can drink other stuff by then. I mean, really. Yes, but like I said, it's a choice. <laughs> it's a choice. Cool. All right. So so good. So I mean, that's that's uh, sort of a question around the birth of kids and 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 the the feeding that happens around then. Um, we're in the middle of winter. We know that. Uh, most pediatricians will dread winter to some extent because winter means wards full of children. Um, if we compare them to summer, or it's a different disease profile for sure. Um, what are the what are the sort of things that uh, that happen to kids in winter and, and parents should be looking out for? Oh well, as you can imagine, in winter there's a lot of snotty noses, as I've already said. Yeah. Um, well, upper respiratory tract infections are very common in kids. Yeah. You should expect your kid to at least have about two a year. At least yeah. every winter should have about two. So it's, um, it's perfectly normal. It's, it's almost expected. And, and and viral, bacterial? Well, hopefully they'll all be viral. <laughs> um, the viral ones obviously are more common. Yes. And um, the viral ones do do better. Mm-hmm. That being said, of course, there's no knowing when your upper respiratory tract is going to become a bronchiolitis or anything like that. That's when it progresses down when it into progresses the lower down into the lower into the lungs, chest, Then you basically. get wheezing and a... Basically, um, difficulty breathing. Yeah. So, so, so I mean, uh, but just just because I'm I know with the, with a lot of parents they sort of start panicking. Their child uh, gets a bit of a blocked nose, um, and uh, maybe a bit lethargic, lower appetite, and they come and they they want sort of medication, you know, and they want right. to how to they want you to treat this, and of course they want the biggest antibiotic you can give them. Um, and that's why I'm in the public sector. That's why you, you see I'm in the private, and I can tell you right now that convincing you get one, you get two extremes. Let me tell you in the private sector, you, the one extreme is I want nothing. The homeopathy hasn't worked. What else do you have for me that isn't an antibiotic? That's that's uh, that's what you get on the one extreme. On the other extreme, you get uh, I want an antibiotic, and I'm not leaving until you give me one. And you have to give me a fourth generation Kefalosporin or yes, something yes, huge, not yes. just a small antibiotic. No, no, we, we're talking, oh, we're talking serious antibiotic. big gun antibiotics that, uh, that, you know, are designed to take out the next plague. Well, yeah, that being said, um, obviously it, you'd have to talk to your mom and try and, conv- depending on what the patient looks like. Yeah. If you think it is viral, then I think if the doctor says it's viral, the mom Trust should them. be happy to go without antibiotics. Yeah. And, I mean, you're in the northern suburbs, so if anything does go wrong, you can run to whatever nearest hospital there is and you'll get full proper care. Yeah. It's not like maybe if you lived in the middle of nowhere and you were going to struggle to get transport to a hospital, mm. then maybe I'd earn the side of giving you an antibiotic. Now, be cautious. 
But, but I mean, but we are breeding sort of superbugs by giving by too giving many antibiotics. This is yes. adults and kids. We know yes. this. This is old news. And we get children who come and they're on their third or fourth antibiotic, and really you haven't really started to look for the cause, and kids just get treated. And if this treatment doesn't work, you just give them another one and another one, without thinking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So good. So I mean, importantly, a lot of the stuff that's presenting winter, you're saying twice twice in winter, perfectly normal, often viral. As long. As Often viral, yeah. mostly viral. Yeah. Look, um, if your child's got an ear infection and he's tugging at his ear, yeah, those ones should get seen by a doctor. Yeah. Preferably, look, depends on where you stand. Yeah. If if you're somebody who's a bit comfortable with your knowledge and being able to look after the kid, mm. I suggest you can humidify the room. Yeah. Um, you can use some carvel. I use yeah. a lot of carvel. And um, you can use some over-the-counter meds. You can use some Panado. I don't really go for the flu meds. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you can get away with some allergics if the nose is runny. Yeah. Um, but if anything is worrying, like a lethargic child who's not yeah. feeding well and it's been too long, yeah. then rather go to the doctor so, and get so a check So what are the warning signs? Because, I mean, I know we teach nurses warning signs. Perhaps <laughs> before parents leave hospital. With the their IMCI little baby. For moms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we should be we should be looking at, at telling parents, um, you know, because I think sometimes they seek health inappropriately, um, and that that is both uh, too late sometimes and sometimes unnecessarily. So they come in with a perfectly well child. <laughs> yeah. So what are the warning signs? What are they looking for? Okay, so you do expect a fever, but um, obviously if your fever is going on for too long. Um, if maybe after two or three days your child's still got a very high fever, then I'd suggest you go see somebody. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, fever as well, you, you should be treating fever. You shouldn't you just should be ignoring You should be giving Panada, of Absolutely. course. Absolutely, Panada and Europe and, and something and like Empapad that. And Empapad even. Yeah. Put the suppositories up, up on the bum. suppositories. Yeah, absolutely. Our controller likes suppositories quite a lot. He's sitting there, he's smiling a lot. Um, but, uh, all right, so so the fever, what else? I mean, the breathing side of things? Um, on the breathing side, obviously, if you've got a blocked nose, your kid will look like they're struggling to breathe. You should try and get the nose cleared somehow yeah. and then see. If your child... Just on the th- nose, sorry, I'm interrupting, but uh, you know this, all this stuff, it's uh, straightforward to you, but uh, oh, yeah. people uh, uh, who haven't studied peds um, <laughs> might not. I mean, interesting about kids is that uh, for a period of their life, kids are what we call obligate nasal breathers. Yes. In other words... They breathe through their nose. They can't actually breathe through their through mouth. Through their mouths, yes. So if you block a child's nose, and then we're talking the younger kids. Please don't. Um, yeah. So if, <laughs> if you block their nose, they actually can't breathe. It's like it's, it's the equivalent of taking an adult and, and putting your hands around their throats and strangling them. And that's them. why a kid with a blocked nose won't be able to feed. Yes. Because he has to actually take the breath. So he all sort of will take a break from the bottle or the breast or whatever yes. to breathe, and then we'll come back and eat, and we'll end up not being able to finish their feed. Yeah. Okay, so so good. So so in that context of of kids, a lot, of, especially the younger ones, breathing through their noses. If you've got a blocked nose, that's going to make breathing diff- very difficult. very difficult. Okay. Yes, and that's when I think that if you humidify the room, it helps keep um the mucus. I to say snot. Yeah, I say snot. We we <laughs> this is online radio. You can swear. You can say whatever you like. It helps keep the snotties nice and moist yes. so that they're more likely to come out the nose. Yes. And obviously, as you know, kids can't blow their noses for like the first, what? My daughter's five and I still struggle yeah. to get all the snot so out. So then you just need it to be soft so that they can sneeze yeah. and it can come out on its own. Okay. Um, and um, I also just use some carvel okay. to help. And I like the decongestant rub because it's not too crazy. It, it does, it's not so hectic. Okay. So for like near, near, for very small babies, that cool. one's better. 
Cool. Um, all right. So, um, what about uh, someone's asked us a question? Uh, Anki has asked us a question. She wants to know, um, what about those baby vac things you connect to a vacuum cleaner to suck snot out? Now, I think a vacuum cleaner might be a bit too much pressure. I don't know how these things usually work. <laughs> um, I've seen one actually that does say that. I think I saw it in Discam. I'm not sure actually which shop I was. Yeah. I actually have a nasal aspirator. Okay. Um, it doesn't connect to a suction, but it does it does it doesn't create connect to a vacuum cleaner because I'm pretty sure that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. But it does sort of have a bit of a suction and it's battery operated. Yes. There is another contraption where you can sort of stick something in the child's nose and mom can suck through her mouth. Yeah, and and and, and, and it won't the snot doesn't come back to you because it goes into a chamber first. Yes, so there's a bit of a chamber. Yeah, protect. Or you, you can do it the old way that our moms did it, and you can just put your mouth over the child's nose and suck it up. Okay, <laughs> and I mean now that nobody wants to eat their lunch. Um, <laughs> Uh, you, you can do that, of course, you of can. course. I mean, you have to really love your child. I'm sure um, if you have a child, you love your child. <laughs> you know, but uh, but but assuming you really love your child, then you can actually just physically suck the snot out. So to answer the question, those baby vac things, probably okay, but I'd be a bit careful with the I'd pressure. Be careful with the vacuum pressure sure. one. Uh, you can get but simple bulb suctions as well. You know those bulbs that sort of come in the pack? I find those that don't They look really... like turkey basters. Yeah, actually, they look like um, what we'd call ispeit. The one that does the enema. looks a bit like the enema ah, orange bulb. Yeah, it yeah, does. yeah all right. But but no enemas on your baby. No, no, no. No enemas. It looks like one. Yes. But you stick it in the nose and it... And you, and you let go and it sucks. I find it... Uh, yeah. I bought the, the battery-operated battery one, one because I didn't like that one. Okay. All right. So so you can... you can. Those are all options to sort of yeah. suction the nose, so to speak. Yeah. If your kid has a, has, a, has a blocked nose, it's really causing it to be quite distressed. Just don't stick anything in there. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't want to go in too far, obviously. Uh, okay, and then uh, and then in terms of respiratory, the other respiratory stuff. So so you don't want your child to be breathing fast, and by that I think you should have should be able to gauge from looking at your kid already. Yeah. Um, from knowing how your child breathes, if your child looks like he's breathing like he's been running, yes. then you know that that's a bad sign. Yeah. Also, you can look at the chest. So if you see that there's like an indentation yes. at the bottom of the chest or right at the top, yeah. then you know that so, the baby So the skin gets sort of sucked so in. So it sort of gets sucked in every time the child gets a, takes a breath. Yes. It shows that the child is using extra muscles to try and breathe. Okay. So and then that, you're running into problems. That means the kid's in, and, and, and then you really and need to go you seek should, help. Yeah. Hopefully you should. Hopefully you would have sought help before then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if it's getting to that point, your kid's really quite sick. Yeah. All right. Um, just uh, since we're at the beginning of life, um, let's talk about a little bit about vaccinations, because uh, once again, uh, it can be, for no reason whatsoever, I need to say, it can be a controversial topic, uh, because there's no evidence that vaccines are bad for you, uh, in the least. Um, you want to say a bit about vaccinations? Oh well. The first thing is, there's a new, like, I think it was a meta-analysis of all the studies that have been done. Yeah, so the highest, best research you can possibly do. Since that, I don't know who it was who wrote a paper ages ago to say that the MMR vaccine causes autism. Yeah, the guy in Britain, I'm not even going to give him name credit. Anyway, they've been, they've looked at numerous studies since then. Yeah. And a lot of studies have shown that it is not true. Yeah. Doesn't cause it. Okay. So no um, autism link. No autism no link. No ADD link. No ADD link. None of these things. Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. So get your kid vaccinated. Small things that can happen from vaccine because it's still a medicine. Okay. Um. So small things from vaccine. Um. On, around the area, you can get a hematoma. Okay. So a bit of bleeding a under the skin. A bit of bleeding under the skin. A bit of a swelling. Sorry. 
a bit of a swelling. Don't worry about the controller. <laughs> he he he'll cope with the. If he falls with off his chair, it's okay. <laughs> it's not. We know how to treat him anyway. It's fine. And that can be a bit painful for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, that's more local. Look, you shouldn't really get a local infection. Yes. Uh, that being said, though, the TB um, injection that goes into the right upper arm yes. at birth, yes. that does sort of become like a pussy thing at around six weeks, mm-hmm. from about six weeks to about three months. Yeah. It does sort of become a bit pussy, but that's a bit no- that's normal. Yeah. As it's long a, as there's no lymph nodes underneath or yeah. anything too. So, so, I mean, I think get your kid vaccinated. Yes. Get your kid vaccinated. I understand that there might be some small reactions. Some fever but, also. But you're not uh, condemning your child to uh, any severe... Um, problems as a result of the vaccination. In fact, if you don't get them vaccinated, then they are then at high measles. risk. Well, measles is one. Uh, uh, we know that uh, pertussis now, which we're vaccinating against, yes. so we, we prevent epiglottitis. And of course, like pneumococcal. Pneumococcal is big, and we've only recently, and by recently, I mean I was already a doctor when we started vaccinating for the pneumococcal. Yeah, sorry, pneumococcal, not pertussis. Um, but uh, but pneumococcal, absolutely. Yeah. And, that, and that, it's made a big difference. It has peace. made a huge difference. It's made a big difference. We don't see kids come in as often with pneumonias. Yes. We definitely have seen a lot less men, uh, meningitis from pneumococcal disease. Yeah. Which is a, obviously, the um, yeah, it's not the best meningitis to have. <laughs> as <laughs> if there's a good meningitis to Wait, have. I no. suppose viral well, let meningitis. me say, it has a high complication rate. Yes. That meningitis. So it's not a good meningitis to have sure. if you had to choose one. All right. So... So good. So, um, all right, that's on the vaccine side of things. Uh, what we're going to do now is just take a short break. I uh, want to remind everyone who's listening that you can give us a call, 0861-555-189. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter, cliffcentral.com, or my account, Jonathan underscore Wit. And obviously, you can send a message straight into studio on WeChat. Cliffcentral.com The legend of the phoenix All ends with beginnings What keeps the planet spinning Ah, the force from the beginning
back with us for the health hour. We've got another half hour of our show to go. Uh, I've got uh, Tuli Kamalo in studio. She's a pediatrician uh, super specializing in nephrology. But uh, at the moment, we're hitting her with all the general peds questions. We'll give her some time to plead her case for nephrology <laughs> towards the end of the show. Uh, we've got a caller. Who's on the line? Hello? No, no one's on the line. Nobody loves us. Um, but, um, but uh, okay, they, they, they've, they've organized our caller. Pumza? Good afternoon. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? All right, all right. Uh, but I don't think you want to talk to me. I think you want to talk to Tuli. Is that correct? Yes, just a few quick questions for Dr. Kumala. I think one of the first ones is, is more of a dietary concern. We've got a very fussy eater, um, and she's two. Um, and she won't eat anything at all. Everything that we try to feed her is a struggle. So I wanted to find out if there's anything that we could be doing or that we should be doing to kind of boost her food intake or get her to be more interested in food. Um, that's the first question. And also, um, this is our special needs related question. Um, are there any supplements in the market that we, um, that we could be looking at for things like um, neurological delays or de- uh, neurological conditions that would help kind of boost the brain's development. Um, and then the last one is a, is a motor skill development question. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point should you get concerned? Um, I know kids progress at a different rate, but at what point should you, cons- should you get concerned if things like walking are a bit delayed and what really constitutes a delay in, in gross motor skill development? Okay. Uh, do you want to, can you hang on the line? I can, yeah. I'll, right, so, I'll on the line. so let's, uh, let's. Uh, sorry, your, your first question just to we have <laughs> lost it, <laughs> and as the host, I should have done better I got to the last take one that in the down. Middle. Just what the was first one was. Oh, the fussy eater. The fussy eater. The fussy eater. There yes, we go. That's yes, it. Yes, all right, uh, Tuli, it's all it's all yours. Okay. Hi, Pumza. Hello, hello, Doc. Um, you know, Pumza, fussy eaters are fussy eaters. Um, it's hard for me to tell you exactly what it is that can get your child interested in food per se. Mm. I try a lot of tricks. I try making smiley faces. Um, my daughter didn't eat bread. So I bought cake like biscuit cutters and I used to make it into animal shapes. Yeah. Those yeah. are the kind of okay. things that you need to start thinking about to try and get your child keen. So make your food look pretty. Even if it's peas and peas and fish fingers try to make something out of it so that she can be interested make it seem fun yes how old is okay. oh two years she's, she's two yeah, yeah she's so two. two years is a bit young once they're older i was going to suggest you stop bringing them into the clinic i mean into the kitchen to be a bit mm. more involved in their food making um maybe that but that would probably be for a bit older but it is yeah. tough to have a, a fussy eater you really just have to keep trying be persistent and keep trying new things you never know what it is that your child would like. I mean, mm. I don't eat bananas pre- personally, so I didn't introduce bananas to my daughter, and I struggled with getting her to eat, and she loves bananas. So uh, maybe you just to have try to try different things also. Try different things, because you don't know what it is any particular person would like. And kids mm. go through phases. I mean, I've had a two-minute noodle phase. You get a fish <laughs> finger phase. You get a pup and oh ingomas phase. Okay. Yes, okay. So I've had yes. lots of phases, but you just go with it, and you try to put in what you can, but you really can't. All the go. white kids, eh? They, that's the pup and ingomas phase. That's of what course. they're missing. I, I would love that. That's a good problem to have. I'd rather she eat that than anything else. And, and she won't even eat it. All kids love pup and ingomas. <laughs> she, that she's taken to. That you like for two weeks, and she's gone off it now. So, um. We're still at a, at a loss a bit now. Have, have you tried Hagen das ice cream? Because <laughs> <laughs> sure nobody doesn't like that. Sweet, so. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> right. Okay. Good. So, I mean, I, I think that's a, a that's bit of help with the fussy eater. Although you sound like a, it's it's not an easy story. It's, it's not, not an, an easy, easy story, and there is no straightforward answer. Yeah. It really yeah. is yeah. just persistence. You keep trying, and you just try and make it as interesting as you can. I mean, at and that age, they're inquisitive, and they, you know, and if you make it look pretty, you should see on like Instagram. You should see what the other people can do. Yes, um, okay. Of the yeah. out of their kids' lunch boxes. Yeah, go to Pinterest and search. Children yeah, lunch. <laughs> I'm sure you will see what people do with their kids' lunch okay, boxes. I'll, I'll try that. that and you that, can try. That's and then uh, something I can try. The supplements. So, um, you know, I don't want to lie. Like we've already said, I'm a nephrologist, so I don't want to yeah. say anything about the uh, neurological. Don't, you don't have to say about about brands, but uh, but in terms of supplements, you you're not a fan, eh? I'm not really a fan. Look, yeah. um, I don't think there's any harm in giving your child just a normal vitamin. Um whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, if you want to try and supplement your feeds, maybe you can try some um, some of the formula, like a PediaSure. Mm-hmm. Um, you can try one of those, but kids don't take them. Hey? <laughs> so you, yeah. will, you will buy it and she won't so drink it and she'd stuck, rather yeah. have something else. Um, so you'll be stuck with it. Um, as far as neurologically connect, like I can't think of a supplement that is directed towards neurology. That would do anything for and, that. Okay. I, I just need to say, Pumzo, that, 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 being, that said, being very careful with supplements. We yeah. know that in adults, uh, we've seen adults go into renal failure from supplements. Yeah. I mean, just mm. just gym supplements, you know, protein. Yeah. Uh, we've seen that happen in adults, and and the reality is, kids are a lot more sensitive um, to those to those sort of things. So sure, okay. this concept yeah. of it's natural and it's in the yeah. natural remedy aisle at the at the pharmacy. Just be careful because even natural things that have, doesn't make it have an good effect. necessarily. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for and, that. And then de- and the developmentally speaking, how do you, when to worry? When? Okay. Well, they talk a bit because I think it's a nice question about mm. what are the developmental sort of milestones. Okay, don't go to all of them. Back to that's back to first year med school. But 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 it's just some of the things you should be wanting okay. to see in your kid and, and when you should be concerned. Okay, like you said, obviously all kids sort of grow at different rates. But if you look anywhere, everybody's sort of got the same standard that um, you sit at about six months and they say you walk at about one year. Now, for me personally, um, they say you smile at six weeks. So let's start with smiling. Um, if a kid at three months is not seeming to connect and smile and is, does not seem to be able to see the mom, then I'd worry at three months. Um, if at nine months the child hasn't sat up unsupported, I would worry. Um, and walking, I would leave until 18 months. Okay. And that's yeah. not to say that um, the child will be abnormal just because he walks a bit late. It can be part of normal development. And a lot of it depends on stimulation too. So is there anything that we could do at home maybe to kind of help her along or get her going or make her more, help her get more confidence with taking her steps? Um, look, just make sure that there's a lot of furniture. Um, if your child is holding and sort of cruising and holding on. Yeah, she's cruising. Then yeah. make sure that yeah. there's a lot of stuff around her so she can move from one object to another object. Okay. Do you know what so I mean? I so, she can actually move around, okay. so she can actually move around because when she gets to the end of the table, she has nowhere to go. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, yeah. So if there's somewhere for her to hold on, then you can start moving whatever it is. A little further. bit further, a little bit further. <laughs> ah, okay. Then okay, she'll so have to take a step in between, and that will sort of help. Okay. No, but that, that, uh, interesting yeah. things like balls are amazing. If you if you like trying to chase something, whatever is mm. exciting for a kid, whatever she likes to do will help. 
If so she likes to be in the park, stick in the park. Put chase it down. the ball and not even realize that she's suddenly walking. <laughs> you never yeah, know. Yeah, okay. Okay. So I think we just overthink it. I think we maybe get too... Because initially my thing was to maybe take away the things you're trying to hold on to and maybe that would help her walk. But now I realize that I've kind of maybe been slowing it down also because it makes her feel... How old is she, Pimza? Can I ask? She is. She's two. She's two and she's been cruising for about five months. Uh, the cruising's gotten a, a lot faster, but mm-hmm. like, the walking hasn't hasn't, hasn't happened gotten better. Yeah, hasn't gotten hasn't gotten. When better. did she we'll sit? If I can. Um, she sat at, at around. She sat properly at around nine months. Okay, and like, kind of un, unassisted. Yeah, yeah and not. Mm. Have you seen a pediatrician at all? Um, we we have we have seen a pediatrician. So we like trying different things, but it. I'm just, it we, have you been invested? Say again for me. Do you know what could be wrong? Has you have you had um, any investigations done? No, not not at this stage. Not at this stage. So we don't know if there's actually cause for concern if it's just a matter of her not being too keen on it yet or not ready for it. But she <sighs> like we Yeah. I think at at um at two years old she should probably be walking. If if I had mm. a two year old that was still cruising, who hadn't been chronically ill and been admitted into hospital who wasn't born prematurely and who I don't have a cause for, like um, wasn't hypoxic at birth or anything, then I would, you know, we need to start looking for the reason. You need to look, you need Mm. to look for the reason. Mm. I'd recommend you. Yeah. Yeah. I think your doctor can investigate. You can just talk to him and say that, please, can we just look a bit further? This is what we're concerned about. Thank you very much. Okay, sure. Okay. Sorry for the tons of questions. No, that's nope. lovely. It's uh, it's great. Pumza, I think... Uh, Is there anything tu- else? Julie's tu- tu- quite, quite happy because it took took me away from asking her these mundane uh, general feeds <laughs> questions. Thanks a lot. I'm, I'm glad I could help him. Thank you very Thanks, much. Cheers, eh? Thank you, Doc. Bye. Uh, okay, good. So, I mean, some, some great stuff there uh, and uh, knocked out the whole peas development side of things. Um, <laughs> just a reminder to everyone, I mean, we... What's your age group? What do you treat? Everything from kind of zero till? <laughs> from zero till 16. It depends on where you are. Yeah. We uh, we sort of double on the other side of 17, 18. Really? Look, that high, hey? Look, it depends. You know, if you've had a patient that you've been looking after forever and ever and ever, we sort of become clicky Involved, with yeah. our patients and we don't want to let them go. Yeah. So we do have a couple of patients that could probably move to adults, but strictly... Pediatricians, they say surgically up to 12 years yeah. and about 14 to 16, depending on where you are for medical side. Okay. All right, good. So, so I mean, it's, it's a long period of time, well into, into high school, essentially. Well into high school. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, quick question I, 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 I want to sort of cover, which is uh, the moms and, and dads out there who might have a concern when their child starts vomiting. <laughs> vomiting and diarrhea. Why do kids get vomiting and diarrhea so commonly? What's what's the reason when they get sick? You know, they they get you Whatever and me. We, we feel sick. They they get vomiting and diarrhea. Whatever kids get end up with vomiting and diarrhea. Yeah. Even if it's an ear infection, you get vomiting and diarrhea. because yeah, that's their immune response. Yes. And that's usually how your child will present, and you just never know what a vomiting and diarrhea could be. Because it could be literally anything. It could be vomiting and diarrhea. Yeah. Or it could be a urinary tract infection. Sure. All right, so so but but now we don't want every time someone the kid coughs up a little bit of the milk, we don't want them to rush off to the hospital, mm-hmm. um, because you also need to sleep. So, <laughs> so so um, when is when 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 should we be worrying? 
and and how can we kind of treat basic straightforward vomiting at home vomiting diarrhea at home okay so i'd worry in terms of vomiting if the child is not able to keep anything down yeah so i mean you've tried food and food didn't keep down you've tried milk milk didn't stay down and you've tried a rehydration solution sure so by rehydration solution you can do your own salt sugar mixture yeah so the, the those of you who don't know that that's uh, a liter of uh, boiled water not while it's still boiling mm-hmm. um so a liter of sterile water essentially um and then uh, eight teaspoons of sugar sugar and half, half a, teaspoon a teaspoon of, of salt. salt. Well done. Right. Jeez, I still remember <laughs> this stuff. Um, no. <laughs> but uh, so that's a, that's an easy at home rehydration. That's at home. But, but, but I always keep uh, some sachets of rehydrate. Sure. It comes in nice flavors, and the kids actually drink it much better than yeah, anything you can make at home. Yeah, because that other stuff I just described because is it's horrible got orange tasting. flavored, and there's a black currant flavor, yeah, so yeah. the kids actually take that much better. Yeah. Um, I also sometimes cheat and give energy aid. Don't I? Ooh. I don't think you should. It's a bit too much sugar. But yeah. Okay. That's another one. All right. Okay. Um, so, so you can use. So once you've tried, does the kid keep down food? So if the does kid doesn't keep, keep up down in, any anything, of them, then you're in trouble because your kid is not going to keep anything down. What are you going to do? You obviously will need somebody to drip them. Yeah. All right, and then you've got to okay. go in, and then you've got and then to, you have you, to go you, in. kind of sort it out. Okay. And just, I mean, I think uh, some signs of dehydration just uh, yeah. in kids that are quite easy up. to see. Uh, just uh, some doctor tricks here for you. Uh, <laughs> if you if you sort of uh, Take your kid's skin on their tummy and you pinch it between your fingers, not too hard, and you just pull it up and you let go. Um, basically, uh, if it goes down quickly back flat with the stomach, uh, you, you your child's probably quite well hydrated. If it sort of stays up, it's called decreased skin turgor, and then you probably got dehydration on your hands. All right, good. So the we, best one. Yeah. Sorry. Yes, the best one is actually. The best one is actually to look in the mouth. Yes. And if your child looks like he's got a dry mouth, yeah, then your then child is getting dehydrated. dehydrated. Sure. Absolutely. But, yeah, but maybe you'd have to have no, a. I think uh, I think it's not a not a not a bad thing. Uh, give the other tools, things. You know? yeah. The other thing to look for is if your child is vomiting blood, obviously. Mm-hmm. If your child is vomiting any color of green, you should be concerned. Yeah. Um. Obviously, um. If the diarrhea has got blood, run. Yeah. Um. But otherwise, the real idea is to just try keep up with the fluids. And they. Oh. What we do is we give um 10 mils per kg of flu of whatever, rehydration solution for every loose stool or vomit. And if you can do that at home and get away with it, you shouldn't need to come in, hopefully, at all. Okay. All right, good. So so just give them lots of fluids, keep them hydrated, and if as long as you can keep it in and down, you don't, you don't really need to worry. Okay, uh, just a quick question. I'll answer from someone on the WhatsApp line. I can't read his name because it has too many emojis in it. Um, but uh, essentially, he wants to uh, – is it Keith? It's Keith. Okay, it's Keith with a whole bunch of hearts. Um, he, he just wanted to know what a – I think he means what a deep vein thrombosis is and what the reason is, and a, 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 otherwise known as a DVT. Uh, and uh, essentially, it's a clot that you get, uh, usually in a deep vein, and one of those deep veins are commonly the deep veins of the leg. Um, and usually, the cough is, 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 is the well-known one. People sitting on airplanes for long periods of time is the common example uh, you get a clot there. Uh, and deep vein thromboses on their own are not actually dangerous. It's a clot in your leg and uh, it'll it'll resolve eventually. Uh, the problem is, is that clot breaks off uh, and then travels up back towards your heart and lodges itself in uh, your artery going towards your lung. 
you then can't get blood into your lung and, and that can cause you to actually die. So that's quite severe and serious. So if you have a DVT, we usually say, obviously, you should go see someone and uh, certainly uh, you need to go into uh, medication, which essentially, in layman terms, is going to thin the blood. Um, right, so back to that's more an adult's uh, condition, not so much peas. No, okay. not unless there's something else wrong with the child. All right, I, I promised you uh, we would discuss uh, we discuss the uh, whole spectrum of nephrology yeah. because that's that's what you love. Um, so uh, tell us a bit about what a pediatric nephrologist does. Okay. Um, as you know, I've been working in the department for a year and a half sure. now. Um, so, um, so we get a lot of kids. So we deal with kids with chronic kidney diseases. Um, and those are the kids. So we do dialysis. Yes. Okay. We also do transplantation. Okay. Which should be happening often. But so isn't. how many are we doing a year? In, 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 uh, do you have Gauteng um, figures? No, I don't have Gauteng figures. Okay. I can tell you Jobic Gen. Sure. Pediatric department figures okay. off the Which top of my head. probably close to Gauteng figures. You could probably double no. that, maybe Steve Biko. Steve Biko doesn't do transplantation yeah. um, for kids. Yeah, okay. Um, Jobic Jen, I think, is the only, and private, Yeah. but Jobic okay. Jen does. Okay, um, and the figures there? We, last year, I think we had three. Transplanted whole three kidneys. A and whole how, three kidneys. And, and, and on your clinic, how many kids are you seeing that could use a kidney? Um... Um, the ballpark figure, 25. Sure. So they're waiting. So some are on the list. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, dialysis is not a nice thing to have to go through. You know, dialysis is very difficult. Um, it's difficult on the kids, obviously. Um, we initially start them on a much, um, better dialysis where they can go home, but it's tough to have dialysis for more than two years, really. Anybody who's having been dialyzed, even for more than a year, yeah. I think is a bit unreasonable. Our kids should not be getting dialysis for that long. They start getting sick. Yeah, um, they get delayed. They get as, multiple as infections. They don't grow yep. while they're on dialysis. And normally, sometimes by the time we are able to get a kidney, it might be too little too late. Yeah. All right. So why, why do we have this problem getting more kidneys? What's the issue? Well, there's a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah, soapbox. Like I'm giving it to you. I've set it up for you. Go. <laughs> well, um, you know what it is. Um, we need the organs. We need to have a lot of kidneys out there in order for our kids to be able to get them. Can we, we take a, a kidney huge... from an adult? You can take a kidney from anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, our kids take adult kidneys. We don't have a lot of kidney children who donate kidneys, sure. obviously. Sure. A lot of our kidneys do come from adults. We just have to make sure that the child is the appropriate size. And normally, they don't get listed until... We think they can probably take an adult kidney. I think important to say about the organ donation of kidneys is that you don't need to be dead. So no. it's not like the other organs, the heart, uh, you know. Uh, the eye. The, the, oh, you don't have to. You don't have to be dead for the eye either. You just but, have to be blind. But, but <laughs> yeah, most people probably won't give you one of their eyes. But but certainly a kidney is relatively, um, I don't want to say easy because there's a process, but certainly you oh. can lose one of your kidneys and live a perfectly normal, healthy life. Look, we've got children with one kidney who were either born with one kidney or we had to take one out for any problems. Yes. And they can maintain a normal renal function. Obviously, with one kidney, you have to be a bit more careful than the normal person. Yeah. But you can live a normal life with one kidney. Yeah. And no, the ideal situation, I guess, for our kids is for them to get a kidney from their parents. But in our population, we have a lot of hypertension. We have HIV. We have overweight issues. And a lot of our parents are unable to give a kidney. Sure. So we need a lot of kidneys. I mean, 
it's nice to have a live donor, but even the cadavers are not, you know, and people are not donating their bodies, and it, that's what we really need. I mean, out of yeah. one, I don't know if that's going to sound crass, but out of one person, we can get two kidneys. <laughs> you know, it's not crass at all. Out of, yes, out of one dead person, we can get two good kidneys, which we can use, assuming they, they were relatively yeah. healthy before they, they and I love or their kidneys were healthy. So they, they may have been unhealthy in other areas, but their kidneys are fine. Yeah. It might be exclusion in certain cases. And we normally try to find, like, a lot of the patients are trauma cases or... Yeah. Yeah, I think... People in car accidents yeah, and, and, those kind and of tra- things. traumatic sort of incidents where they, there's brain death. We obviously... I mean, we'd have to earn the side of somebody who dies from a disseminated cancer because you don't know whether the cancer yeah, is, in the, is in the kidney. And you don't want to pass on a cancer. Yeah. Sure. All right. So... Just a bit of an appeal for people to consider it. I mean, where would they go to kind of sign up if they're interested? Um, well, we have an organ donation website where you can actually just sign up on the website that you're an organ donor. Yeah. And But the most important thing is to really tell your friends and family because those are the people that are going to enable you to um, pass on the organ. You're not going to be alive and say, I want to donate. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But in an event that... You're in an accident or something. Somebody should be able to know that. Hey, Jonathan wanted to donate his kidneys. But even a living, I've got a, I've actually got a good friend. She, uh, she met someone. Uh, it's an interesting story. She, just a complete stranger. She met mm-hmm. at a party one night, a uh, friend's uh, party, and and she met this complete stranger and found out that this woman was waiting for a kidney transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, and she decided to donate her kidney to her. Uh, of course. It took it took her a whole. There's a screening process and the whole thing that went. She had to go through, but mm-hmm. she donated her kidney. And both of them are are, uh, are okay. Are okay. Of yeah. course, yeah. Yeah. So um, um obviously, uh, just that website is the Organ Donation Foundation. I think it's uh, is it ODF uh, is it dot org or dot dot uh, co dot za? We're just checking it up for you. Um, so you can obviously it's ODF dot org dot za. You can obviously go there and 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 they've got more information. So um, I think a, a a really important thing. Anything else on the peds nephrology sides? You know, just on the interesting side, yes. there's something new that's called a domino transplant. I don't know if you know it. They're doing it in other countries. No. We haven't quite started doing it yet. So if, say, I wanted to give you a kidney, yeah. but I wasn't a match for you, yeah. and I was a match for somebody else living in Cape Town, yeah. and somehow like that we can keep swapping, 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 and it can be a long line. I think they've done a line of up to 10 people where eventually <laughs> everybody gets a kidney. They but find all 10 people all looking for a kidney. All tra- yeah. Yeah. And with 10 people willing to give them, and you just sort of can swap them around depending on their blood work. Interchangeably. Yeah. Phenomenal. And it worked brilliant. Okay. Uh, and uh, let's just talk some kidney health, looking after your kidneys. Drink water. Drink water. <laughs> <laughs> Eight glasses of water. <laughs> um, oh, they do say two liters a day. Two liters a yeah. day. All right. Good. Don't hold in your urine. Good. So, so go to the toilet when you feel like you need to go, hey? Oh when nature calls. <laughs> When nature calls, nature calls. This is especially important. Look, I'm a pediatrician, and we see a lot of kids coming in with um, constipation that causes UTIs, urinary tract infections, yes. or just urinary um, bladder dysfunction Yeah. from holding in the... Telling a kid to just hold it in. And the reason why they do is because the toilets at school are bad most of the time. Okay, so oh, that's a whole separate issue we've got as yeah. well, but uh, absolutely. All right, so, so drink some water, don't hold it in, and... Uh, and careful with the drugs as well? Well, I'm a pediatrician. Yeah, I'm hoping kids, my kids don't kids, touch drugs. Yeah, they're not on drugs, but their parents might give them stuff, and, and so just be careful. Yes, with obviously them. there's drugs that are dangerous, um, non-steroidals, yeah. and like, um, what are they, neurofen? Yeah. One. Those ones are, te- are terrible long-term especially. Yeah. Um, 
some of the drugs. So short term in the right dose, it's okay. Short term in the right uh, dose. Yes. But in, if, to if treat you, something that you know is yeah. But if you yeah. yeah, but if you're on if you're on those things for a long period of time, they can cause quite a significant amount significant of damage. Significant amount of damage. Yeah. Sure. And uh, the traditional stuff as well, which we see sometimes. Yes. Apparently, it's called sangomaism. Okay. Yes. No. Traditional stuff. Um, it's tough. It's a tough one, though. Yeah. I always say it's a tough one because you don't want to say you're not allowed to do whatever it is your parents have believed in for thousands of years or however yeah. long. Um, I normally say to moms, look, you can do whatever scarification you want. Yeah. Um, just please no enemas and please try nothing oral. Okay. All right. Because uh, often, unfortunately, that that causes huge problems in the huge kids. problems. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then. Uh, just from my side, a last small tip is uh, if you are a parent and you haven't gone on a CPR course, of course. Um, what are you doing? Uh, it's very quick, very easy. And not just the parent, the nanny too. The nanny, anyone who looks after the kids. So uh, it's a three-hour course, guys. Uh, you can find information um, on the Resuscitation Council website. Uh, that's resus.co.za. Um, please, if, you, if you've got a kid, uh, you're investing in them by going and doing a short course like that and knowing how to resus them if you ever need to. All right, so that brings us to the end of our show. It went quick, and you survived. <laughs> I did. I did, somehow. Thanks so much. Tuli, thank you thank so you. much for coming in, and fun. thanks for, for your, the insights. Uh, and uh, I'm sure we will have you back at some point in the future, because we've after only... Exams. We've only... After exams. Good luck for your exams. Uh, we've only really touched the sort of surface on PEDS. I of mean, course, it's, we, yeah. There's just there's tons. We can probably spend an hour talking about pediatric asthma next time. We could. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. And Thank uh, thanks for joining us. I'll catch you next week on the Health Hour, 1 to 2 p.m. Cliff Central.